John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc Hello, Cinephiles, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Cinephiles Live. I am your host, Steve Morris. Sadly, sadly your host, sadly all alone. This is very, very scary. It's my first time like a little baby bird flying solo without the important, powerful tutelage of the outlaw keeping the show straight. But I'm going to do my best because we got to keep the what John said is the show must go on. He's feeling a bit under the weather, but he doesn't want to let down the cinephiles fans. And he said, Steve, you got to do something without me. And I said, absolutely not. No way. And he put the pressure on. And here we are. And I, I, I'm very, very excited about the show we've got for you today. We've got some incredible guests, the great members of the cinephiles family, and we've got some great topics to discuss. And so without further ado, let me bring on first... It <laughs> lost my train of thought. See, this thing John does is kind of hard. First, I'm going to bring on writer, actor, and geek buddy, Shannon McClung. Welcome to the Cinephiles. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I almost said John. I almost yeah, messed up, too. like haunting us. <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Mr. Morris. Uh, lovely to be here. Can't wait to chat with the rest of the guests. Well, it's great to have you. And speaking of the rest of the guests, how about actor, writer, producer, and founder of Four Horsemen, uh, Andre Gordon? Welcome to the Cinephile. Hey, John and John. Good to see you, John. Just <laughs> nice to it. see you, John. <laughs> and I'd also like to bring on animator, artist, one of my oldest and dearest friends, Stephen B. Jones, welcome to the Cinephiles Live. John and John, very nice to see you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's the John Show. And with our, and I will bring in our last John. It sounds a little weird. There's an odd connotation to all of us being Johns. But bringing on our last John is my partner in all things Star Trek, one of the greatest guests of all time of the Cinephiles, Mr. Movie Man, Scott Mans. Welcome to the show. Hey, John, John, John! <laughs> It's so good to see you too, Johnny. Um, it's great to have all of you. And really, what all I want to do is have one of those conversations that we really just have in bars that we have hanging out. That's these are the conversations that are where the cinephiles came from in the first place. Is that talking about movies, arguing about movies? What are our favorites? What aren't? our favorites, what do we like, and that's all I want to do here. So the topic, the first one that came up, and it's funny because this started in a conversation with another geek buddy, Mike Vogel, who might make an appearance at some point. He and I were away on a trip for a friend's birthday, and we started to get into what, in fact, is the greatest movie franchise and maybe what is the worst movie franchise. And I, my assumption is that all of you have thoughts on this, and Scott Mance, I'd love to start with you. Have you what do you what do you when you think of movie franchises, which ones draw you most powerfully? Well, listen, I mean, some of the obvious choices for like best movie franchise. I mean, you, James Bond has been now 60 years because on October 2nd, 1962, Dr. No premiered. So we were coming up on the exact 60th anniversary of, of James Bond. You know, there are 25 official movies in these past 60 years, all these different James Bonds. I mean, that might be like the obvious choice, but I want to go with a less obvious choice because it's a franchise that does not get mentioned for basically having not a bad movie in the bunch, not even the second film. That is my least favorite of the six that we have seen so far. That's my hint. Six movies. Can anybody, mm. any of you, Johns, guess what franchise I'm talking about that has six great, five great movies and one that's just good? Hmm. And you're saying number two is the weakest li link in the chain, Scott? Well, number two or, is I'm the sorry, weakest, John. But it is still, it is still watchable. And, and the other five uh, are, are really good. And the last three have been fantastic. Uh, Come on, John. I'm going to go with Mission Impossible. That's yeah. what I was going to no. say, too. Okay. Shannon and John, you are correct. Mission <laughs> Impossible is, I think, just the greatest movie franchise in modern times. Okay, the first movie came out in 96. But the last three movies, Ghost Protocol, uh, Rogue Nation, and Fallout, like this is a franchise that keeps getting better and better with each passing film. And Tom Cruise looks exactly the same. <laughs> um, but I think these movies are absolutely fantastic. I know they don't make a whole lot of them. And by the time Mission Impossible 7 comes out, I think uh, you know we'll, we'll all be in old age because uh, that's proving to be a Mission Impossible unto itself. But I love the Mission Impossible movies. It's not the obvious choice, but it is my choice for this very special John Tribute Cinephiles. 
Well, gentlemen, what what do you think of this call of Mission Impossible? Shannon, are you a Mission Impossible fan? Um, I'm a fan in that they are always a fun night out at the movies, and I immediately forget them right after. Ah, Shannon! Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, and I feel like they were almost an accidental franchise, because after... After the J.J. Abrams one, uh, three, it seemed like the franchise could have gone away. That's right. And it was really Brad Bird who sort of uh, injected that life into it with Ghost Protocol. And then McQuarrie, who then took it to the next level. And Agreed. now, I mean, it is it is one of the, the feathers in Paramount's cap. And I believe they're doing eight. Are they doing eight and nine at the same time? Or were they doing seven and eight at the same time they split? Seven and eight. Okay, and then so more it. than likely, we you know we're definitely going to get dead an eighth. Yeah, Dead Reckoning Part One and Part Two. So it'll be interesting to see if they keep going after that. Look, they are they are just a fantastic night out of the movies. They're a terrific ride. But again, the moment they're done, I'm like, I couldn't tell you what happened. <laughs> Tom Cruise yeah, ran those that, those last three movies. You're right. I think that Ghost Protocol, directed by Brad Bird, which came out in 2011. And I saw Brad Bird at the Telluride Film Festival just a few days ago, and I, I said hello to him, and I told him that I, I loved Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Uh, and, I mean, I think that the, the franchise, the movie series, is like, that was great. That was the fourth movie. And then, and then Rogue Nation, which directed by Chris McQuarrie, who's a genius, and he's an Oscar winner uh, for writing the screenplay for Usual Suspects. That was great. And then Fallout came out. I went, no, 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 that's the best one. And (laughs) here's a franchise that like, I mean, come on, 1996 to basically 2000, uh, what was it, 18 when Fallout came out. Uh, That's pretty impressive that a movie series could keep getting better over the course of more than two decades. You know what, Scott? Tell you something interesting. I just watched all the Mission Impossibles in a row over the course of two weeks. I just watched them all like back to back. And I'll tell you this, watching them separately is a different experience and watching them concurrently in a compacted, you know, space and time. I found myself, my deal with myself is when I watch a movie, I have to be on the treadmill. I found myself wanting to go work out so I could get back into the world of Mission Impossible. So, you know, there is something to what you're saying. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is solid. Yeah. And yeah. I actually think number one was probably looking at all of them in a row. One, when it came out at its time was, I feel like, oh, this is kind of ahead of its time as far as some of the stuff they were doing cinematically. You know, you look at them all now, and I think one is better than two, in my opinion. Oh, I do too. Uh, You're right. <laughs> um, but the last three, they like reloaded on those last three. Totally. Just they're knocking it out of the park. And Tom Cruise is proven to be an everlasting icon in For my sure. opinion. And so. look what, just look what Tom Cruise has done this year with Top Gun Maverick. I mean, but, wow. but I, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. So Steve Jones, there seems to be some strong consensus, particularly for the latter Mission Impossible movies. What do you think? I mean, I hate to jump on John's bandwagon here, but I think John Cruise, obviously amazing. Uh, John Abrams, (laughs) or John John Abrams, I guess. And I love uh, John D. Newton in uh, Mission Impossible 2. No, look, it's I mean, getting confusing for me. <laughs> like, I'm a little bit surprised I didn't think of this. I'm very happy that Scott did. I think 
I love I, I saw the Brian De Palma one in the theater and I absolutely loved it. And it has some really great groundbreaking stuff and it has an incredible cast. And even what we did with Emilio Estevez in the first one, like, that's not really something that was part of movies in the 90s. I feel like now it's become kind of commonplace, but that was a big like what just happened? You know, like in that one, you got Chris and Scott Thomas, uh, you got uh, Emmanuel Bayard, I think is the French lady. There. And yeah. then at the time, right. I mean, the, the train sequence, you got Jean Renault, you got Bing Rames, like, and then, okay, it's terrible, but I love Mission Impossible too. I love it. Like, <laughs> I, I don't I think it's terrible. It. I think it's the weakest, but I love no, it. No, it's terrible. I think it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it is, it is, it's so in the realm of guilty pleasure. I put it right next to my other favorite John Woo American film, which is Hard Target, which I also love indefensibly. You know what I mean? Like, take a peek, seek, <laughs> and your boyfriend and get the hell out of here. You know, like, so Fanny Newton's beautiful. Dudbury Scott, like, he must curse himself every day for like hurting his ankle on that movie because he was supposed to be Wolverine, you know, but I don't think, I think the gods were looking out for us. Like I love, I like Doug Ray Scott a lot as an actor, but I don't think, I think Hugh Jackman's like proto movie star thing is part of what made X-Men a success and what gave us the X-Men franchise and what gave us the modern, you know, superhero world. So it's, it's, so Doug Ray Scott kind of took one for the team for all of us that love superhero movies, I think. But he, so I, I gotta tell you, Steve, Steve, I got to just interrupt for one second because every time I see Doug Ray Scott's name, I think, man, poor guy. Like he, <laughs> he missed out on playing Wolverine because of Mission Impossible 2. What would the X Men franchise have been with Doug Ray Scott instead of Hugh Jackman? That is such a what if because if that movie finished on time that's what would have happened like would you have seen uh you know these wolverine spinoffs would you have seen logan and you know directed by james mangold i mean uh, what a what I if but, uh that's 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 a really yeah. interesting uh you know uh what but if so well, I, still, and, and, I love to good no i was gonna say in, in the what if uh vein you know mission impossible 3 was originally supposed to be directed by joe carnahan and yes, that was going to have Carrie Ann Moss. That was going to have <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. That was going to have Kenneth Branagh. So, yeah. you know, we I don't think we ever found out whether it was sort of a one to one switch when Abrams came aboard because, the, you know, the Mission Impossible three. I, I don't say this as an insult, but it's a really good episode of Alias. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he brought in all of his tropes that he liked to use. But like what would have happened if Joe Carnahan's version had gone ahead. I mean, we may not have gotten all of these uh, really great Mission Impossible movies. I think so too. I mean, like, Carnahan's made some extremely watchable, fun movies, and, it, and I would have liked to have seen a hard-boiled Carnahan version, but I think, right, like, Mission Impossible 3 is quintessent, is everything that is good about J.J. Abrams, you know, like, in a, in a movie, and it's, it's Tom, at, I mean, the opening of Mission Impossible 3 is such a great freaking <laughs> opening to a movie like the performance is incredible that's like some of tom cruise's best acting in his career is maybe in mission impossible 3 honestly it's definitely his greatest sprinting and i love that they just <laughs> featured it you know that he he just runs 250 350 yards you know like like non-stop so mission impossible 3 is amazing uh i'm probably 
I like I like number four because I obviously I got to give love to an animation person coming into live action. So there's some great stuff. Tom Cruise is on the Burj Khalifa, so that's incredible. Jeremy Renner is always a welcome addition. Kind of wish mm-hmm. we'd gotten more Paula Patton. I I, I feel like she's been she written great. out of the franchise, and uh, Simon Pegg's good. And then how strange the Christopher McQuarrie situation. How weird to like have a. Fr- to just suddenly get an auteur dumped into your franchise. And he's just deciding like, no, I've always wanted to make James Bond movies. So I'll just take over. Um, um, speaking of animation, me like... the, the, oh, sorry, dead, it's, the it's, Dead it's... Reckoning trailer, or let me just, sorry, in Dead Reckoning, we got Agent Carter in there now too. And Agent Carter and Tom Cruise are in the little Fiat 500 that is in all of Castle of Caligliostro, which is one of the greatest animated movies of all time. It's it's Miyazaki's first movie. So there's this whole car chase that's just a reference to a 1979 animated film that arguably had a very big influence on Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, so I don't know. I hadn't thought about this. Mance, this is tough. You're going to have me arguing against myself. I mean, it's not the best ever. He's put forth. It's, he's put it's forth underrated. Solid, underrated. Yes. So, so underrated. Uh, let me just jump in because, of course, this isn't the Mission Impossible uh, podcast. Although I think you, we've, there's been some real strong arguments made. Um, I think for for me personally, I think it's a really strong one, particularly the later movies. Um, uh, what other is there anything? Is this it? Are we done? Is Mission Impossible just going to be crowned the victor? Andre, no. what do you think? Is it the number one? What 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 would you put as number one? I would like to ask what other franchises have an Academy Award winning film in the begin in the infancy of its of its uh, franchise world, and in essence, created almost a genre of movies. It's a love story wrapped in a sports story. It's an underdog story. I believe Rocky. Rocky <laughs> no, okay. is okay. I mean, we have we he we have a guy who looks like he delivers trash facing a prize fighter who looks like a you know a, like a, a thoroughbred, and it's really not even about the match. It's about the, all these relationships and the guy. For the first time, I feel like up until that point, he doesn't even win the match. But we don't even care. We don't. We like. We don't even care. And and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, yo, Adrian." He doesn't even say yo, Adrian. He's just he's he's just looking for her. And 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 you know you know he's I did it. And and from that came all you know Rocky two, incredible Rocky three started crossing over into pop pop culture. Rocky four, hello hello, they killed Apollo. When did that happen in sports movies? That didn't happen. Like I remember watching it, like thinking, "Wait, wait, what? What? Just, what, what?" And then I was, I was in. And then from there, okay, Rocky Five. I liked Rocky Five. I did it's too. It's obviously not as good as the other ones, but I liked it. And Rocky Balboa to come back that many years later and be so solid is incredible to me. And for a really intelligent guy to play and write and create a franchise of a guy who's dumb. Like we all, I, we all believed in the beginning as a kid, oh, this guy's an idiot, but he's, he's really a genius. Yeah. And all the boxing movies to come after the, all the boxing franchises to come after that have not pa- have paled in comparison. You can't touch it. So for me, the Rocky franchise 
by the way, terrible what's happening to him right now with, with, with the Rocky franchise um, getting cut out. But um, but the Rocky franchise to me is king. Maybe Rocky and Harry Andre, you have to include the two Creed movies. Yes, Absolutely. Yes. And because that's what I mean. They're so Rocky movies. Starting, starting the Creed movies. Yeah. And, and then you have you have the Creed movies, which have now not only so genius, tied in character from the original franchise, but it's not Rocky. It's about, it, it's just to me brilliant. And then you have a black, focal, strong character struggling through his story. And now we have America watching this black story, but rooting for him almost, not quite, but almost in the way that we rooted for Rocky. Yeah. So I, so, I, and I feel like it's, it's been great. Now we're going to have the Drago stuff. I don't know how that's going to be, but, but I just feel like, man, they really, that, that, that franchise to me was, wow. What do you guys think? I, I, I absolutely agree. Rocky. First of all, the film Rocky is one of my all time favorites. I think one of the interesting things about it, as you say, Andre, most of the, the franchises we might talk about are going to be adventure films, action films, stuff like this. Rocky is a full seventies drama. And yep. what's so great is even though, yeah, it gets very pop culture-ish with Rocky 3 and Rocky 4, which, you know, I I adore Rocky 3 and I appreciate Rocky 4. Um, but then <laughs> you get to the Creed movies and those are dramas too. You know, yep. they're serious films. And um, I, I think this is a completely unique thing in Hollywood to have this kind of movie have uh, sequels. And I want, I, I would be remiss. I have been remiss in not saying that you can send in your Streamlabs and super chats. If you have questions, uh, Streamlab address is pinned in the chat and we would definitely prefer that one because they take away a little bit less money than YouTube does. <laughs> but we do have a, a question right here. This one comes from this Philip Bryan who says, do you think Creed 3 will wrap up the Rocky Creed franchise? What do you think, guys? I think it will. I think it will. Uh, I think, you know, for Stallone to, to keep going with Rocky and, you know, Rocky 5 and then Rocky Balboa, I mean, that's his baby. And I think what Michael B. Jordan has done with the Creed movies is really, really sensational. But Michael B. Jordan is, is on to so many things. Like, his career is is... Like, I think he's thinking way beyond, you know, these types of, uh, you know, action films. And I, and I think that I, I just have a feeling my spider sense is tingling that Creed 3 is going to sort of like wrap up his, his Creed trilogy, which I think would be a smart move. I, I mean, uh, I, I think one of you guys said that you, you uh, appreciated Rocky 4. I think that's like how I feel about it. I think Rocky 3 is great. Uh, I, I, you know, Andre, I'm with you. I liked Rocky Five for what it was. I mean, I'm from Philly, so you know, I'm always <laughs> going to love Rocky franchise. But, uh, but I do think that Creed, Creed Three, will probably will be it for Michael B. Jordan. So Rocky seems to be a very strong contender for the championship, but Jonathan Peck believes that the best franchise for him is Toy Story. Not even close. Whoa, good one. Good one, Jonathan. They, they sunk it with Lightyear. If, if Lightyear Jonathan Peck, franchise, you blew it. There is no John tomorrow. Wright. There is um, no tomorrow. I, I don't think I, I disagree with Andre that they sunk it with Lightyear because I think that is sort of a separate animal. Yeah, I, 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 um, I think it's a spinoff. Yeah, I don't think it I don't consider it quite in the franchise. 
but I also don't don't agree. I think I think had they stopped with Toy Story three, I think that's a much stronger argument. But I think the fourth entry, while a, a, a good movie, I do think it sullied the finality of that of that last movie because it was just that's, such that's a much as incorporated that you're thinking of, Shannon. What's oh hi, they're very good. <laughs> I thought it was just such a beautiful handoff because you know it concluded the story of Andy. And yeah. this is, you know, these are the toys that grew up with this with this boy who's now becoming a man. I feel like that's I feel like that ends it. I mean, and adding an unnecessary to me fourth chapter sullied another franchise that I'm going to bring up. Uh, I, I'm going to. But, but let me ask you, that. Shannon. Well, hold on. Let's Scott, Scott first, and then I'd love to hear from Andre. Go ahead. Okay. Well, first of all, just with regards to Toy Story four. I, I do agree, Shannon, that had they just like left it at Toy Story 3, that absolutely would have been on this list as, as one of the greatest movie franchises. But I do think that Toy Story 4 was really good and much, much better than it probably deserved to be after they did sort of put the cork on the franchise with Toy Story 3. I thought Toy Story 4 was great. Um, but uh, but uh, uh, I'm going to guess, Shannon, your pick is Lethal Weapon. Hmm. That is a great pick, and it is not correct. Oh! <laughs> Andre, I know you had something to say about Toy Story before we move on to Lethal Weapon. Well, I was just going to ask, if Creed is a part of the Rocky franchise as a, as a spinoff or oh. a, a branch off, and now the Drago, which is supposedly upcoming, is a part of the universe of, of Rocky, wouldn't Lightyear then get the same credit of, of attachment the, uh, to Toy Story as the other Disag- movies do? By disagreed the because they're two entirely separate worlds. I yeah, mean, I, with I, the world of Creed, that's, that's still the world of Rocky. The world of Drago is still going to be the world of Rocky. Now, now, yeah. Andre, Andre, if if the Lightyear movie was about the Lightyear toy, not the real person that the toy was based on, then, you would say. then yeah. I would say, yeah, you're absolutely right. It should be part of that franchise and basically be like a fifth film. But I don't know what the hell, what the hell Lightyear was. I mean, I guess it was a spinoff or a prequel or whatever, um, yeah. but it wasn't very good. So I'm happy to keep that separate from Toy Story. Well, um, I agree with Shannon that um, three was a great way to end. I also agree with you, Scott. That four, I mean, I cried at four. I, it four had me, um, but I do agree. Three was like a solid. All right, it's clean. Yeah, um, I think that they leveraged the world of Toy Story to get us to come watch. Lightyear, but it just wasn't very clean. But but I mean, I think you know, if we're talking about Toy Story and Lethal Weapon, you know. (laughs) So, uh, as far as Toy Story is concerned, what's so weird about 4, I totally liked it. I didn't expect to. I didn't understand why they would make it. I totally liked it. I think what's weird about that one is that 3 is such a perfect ending to the series. And 3 is an amazing movie. I mean, an off the charts. I mean, I think, uh, I don't know if you were there, Steve, but Shannon, I think we all saw it together and, you know, just weeping uncontrollably oh. <laughs> as they take hands at the end of three. I hadn't even thought about Lethal Weapon. Um, I Lethal Weapon was a big movie, and I, I'm sure Steve Jones and I probably watched it together a dozen times, you know, back in the day. And Lethal Weapon 2 is great, and the other ones are it's fine. fine. They're, fine. They're, they're lethal weapons. Yeah. 
Um, what what else? So we uh, t- Toy Story, Toy Story, Rocky, and Mission Impossible all seem to be strong contenders. What else do well, we got? I don't, I don't think Shannon has made his contention. He just got Lethal Weapon put on him by Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I get Shannon. Let's give give us what's, a pick here, pal. What's um, what's your contention, so- Shannon? What it would have been, so I, so what it would have been, if not for this fourth chapter, would have been the Indiana Jones trilogy. What um, fourth chapter? The, what, what yeah, are you what? talking about? It, it's only exactly, three movies. Exactly. <laughs> Perhaps James Mangold can can salvage it with this with this fifth entry, or or I'll just say the next entry. Um, <laughs> so because of that, and you all are pro, you all some of you are going to disagree here because it's impossible to separate this trilogy from a from a larger story. But I'm going to say the Captain America trilogy. Um, mm. because even though it is very, very connected to the MCU, the running story of those three films is the relationship between Steve and Bucky. That is the thing that keeps that story going. And obviously, like, you know, you have other elements that bleed in in the second, uh, in the second entry with Winter Soldier, with the, you know, with, with S.H.I.E.L.D., with Nick Fury, with Black Widow. Uh, and obviously... A lot of folks would say Civil War is Avengers 2.5. And yeah. I think that is certainly an argument that could be made. But because the overarching story of the relationship, the friendship of Steve Rogers and, and Bucky Barnes, that to me is why Captain America is one of the greatest, one of the greatest franchises of all time. Okay. I, there's a very strong argument to be made there, Shannon, just, on, just in terms of quality. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I think number one by Joe Johnson is extremely underrated. And my daughter became obsessed with it at a certain point, And I think I watched it like 50 times and was happy <laughs> to do so. You know, like like uh, Hugo Weaving is fantastic in that thing. Steve's great. Haley Atwell is just amazing. And I love, Magical. She, you know, yeah. she's a great character. And then, you know, uh, Russo brothers have no business coming in and upending the universe of how good Winter Soldier is and basically just going like, okay, no, we're going to take over the Marvel Universe now for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Civil Civil War shouldn't be able to be a good Captain America story while simultaneously introducing a new Spider-Man and the Black Panther in the same movie. You know, yeah. Successfully. Uh, Chadwick Bo- Successfully. Chadwick Boseman is so great in that damn movie. Just like, oh, uh, God. So, yeah, hmm. yeah. damn, it's an interesting point. Um, you know, you well, know, Shannon. When I when I was writing down my notes uh, on on potential best movie franchise, this you know, to be part of this discussion, I was going to write down Captain America, hmm. but instead, I wrote you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe because at least up until and including Avengers Endgame, they were batting a thousand. Even some of the weaker movies in the MCU, like Thor, The Dark World, and Captain Marvel, which I didn't love, but I thought were just okay. Uh, I mean, the MCU could be seen as a a franchise that very much could be a part of this list. Well, monetarily, I think there's no question that the Marvel (laughs) Cinematic Universe wins. It's it's an interesting point, Shannon, about Captain America, because... Civil War just to me is an Avengers movie even though it says it's a Captain America movie it just isn't to me 
you know, and I really, really like it. I agree with everything that's been said about it. Um, uh, but I have to bring in some, an entirely different concept here because uh, in our Streamlabs, Jonathan Peck uh, said, I'm sorry, uh, oh, lost my place. Uh, sorry, Travis Earl says, quality-wise, the best franchise has to be Godfather. Even with Godfather free being not of the best quality, uh, Godfather as the greatest movie franchise. What do you think? Uh, I think as long as you're looking at Godfather 1 and 2, I completely agree. But yeah. Godfather 3 just really, I mean, if you're only talking about three movies, you know, that third movie uh, really, uh, w- what's the word? I, I, Steve, I've used this word sometimes when I talk about, you know, when I said going into a fourth season of the original Star Trek, it would have diluted series. Right. All right. So I think that Godfather 3 dilutes the Godfather uh, movie franchise and keeps that from being on a list, even though the first two movies are brilliant Oscar winners. Uh, to me, Godfather one and two, because I agree, Scott, it's it's almost a different category. It's like comparing apples and oranges. Those are yeah. two of the greatest films ever made. But I don't go like, hey, I want to enter the franchise world of the Godfather like there is a world of James Bond. You know, well, Scott, you, you know, you uh, set up. Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Scott, you set up my suggestion, I think, pretty well with your argument because. I think quality-wise, uh, I'll put my I'll put my suggestion up against you guys, and I think mine is an example where you have utter utter brilliance. Then there's a moment of some dilution, and then there's a return of such incredible power and strength that I think it 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 uh, it redeems the dilution. So I'm going to say the uh, the Mad Max films are the greatest. Oh, oh wow! You think about how good Mad movie. Max is. You think about how great Road Warrior is, and you think Road about Warrior. how great Fury Road is. And yeah. Thunderdome is still a very damn watchable movie. I'm sorry, it's Agreed. entertaining as hell, especially Agreed. the first half. So it's like three and a half of the greatest films of all time, with then some strange, you know, Goonies inspired yub yub. <laughs> um, but, but still has a still has a good, you know, chase scene at the end. Uh, you know, there, you know, little guy, he's the smallest. But the overall quality, I just think George Miller is a goddamn genius. And, like, I love Steven Spielberg more than anything. But, like, Fury Road proves what Crystal Skull – sorry to say that name, Steve – could have been. You know, that you can still come back at the end of your life, uh, you know, near the end of your life, and and just show – put everyone else to shame and go, this is, you know – I I really think George Miller with Fury Road is that that is the hold my beer to all the other young people thinking that they could direct an action movie. I mean, that movie, I don't think there is a there's nothing that compares to the same director coming back to the same material decades later and being way more crazy and insane (laughs) than he was in his youth. I mean, there's nothing like that. You're absolutely right. Go ahead, Steve. Go and ahead. He's just and that he still had it all together. You know, like I remember because I'm so obviously, you know, if anyone was going to guess what I would suggest that knows me from the cinephiles would know that I would make this guess, you know, get, given where I've been. I think I'm still counting the years until I can come on and talk about Fury Road in three years <sighs> or two, two and a half years. But um, but I think like no one thought it was any good now too. Like we've all heard about it. Like it took so long to make it went through so much hell. I remember meeting a bunch of stuntmen 
at like a screening at at like William Morris or something. I think, I, and they were like, "Oh my, it's terrible! It's just oh. terrible." He's lost the plot. He's lost the plot. Like these are all oh, people that wow. worked on it, and they had no faith that it was going to be any good. And I think, wow. I think particularly given him dipping into animation and how they had actually storyboarded the entire film. It's in a way, George was like the only one that could actually see it. And I think mm. it was so arduous making it that that's why Charlize, Tom Hardy, everyone else was like, I don't know what's happening. We're doing these things. We're, we're running to and fro. I'm like looking at the camera and doing a thing, but it, it's like one of the best edited films of all time. It's just, it should, it's superhuman. It should not be able to exist. If a 22 year old, you know, or 28 year old came in at the, and made it, we'd all be amazed. But the fact that George Miller came back and made it, and Mad Max and Road Warrior are so good. They're still just so good. Road Warrior's anyway. great, I love Road Warrior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I actually have an honorable mention, if I can okay. throw that in. Uh, and I went back and forth between Mission Impossible and this franchise. The franchise that I've loved my whole life. You know, uh, talk about a franchise that, 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 that in you know, the last 10 years, or 11 years rather, came back with like a vengeance, Planet of the Apes. Mm. Okay. The original film is a masterpiece, one of the greatest movies ever made. And Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, and Conquest of the Planet of the Apes are really good sequels. Now, 1973's Battle for the Planet of the Apes is not a good movie. It ended that part of the franchise. The 2001 version, directed by Tim Burton, was terrible. But, gentlemen, gentlemen, the Andy Serkis movies with Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Battle for the Planet of the Apes. That trilogy, that trilogy is brilliant. There is not a dud in the bunch. Those three movies are all really, really, really great. There is an amazing arc with Caesar going from birth to death over the course of those three movies. And when you watch the first film, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, now and you get to the end of that movie and you watch the ending credits where a pandemic is spreading around the world <laughs> holy toledo was that movie just like predicting the future but then dawn of the planet of the apes was like the godfather part two of the planet of the apes franchise uh you know with the with it between caesar and the other ape uh played by toby kebble i forget mm-hmm. his name uh but that movie is brilliant and and then you know the, the final one battle Though all three of those movies are great, War, you know, think, put right. that with the original films. Um, what do War you think, of the Planet of the Apes. Um, yeah, I mean, like I-, I saw the original Planet of the Apes, the you know the Charlton, the ver- first Charlton Heston movie. I did yeah. not see the sequels because when I watched that, I was I was at too young a point, and I'd already seen Star Wars, so right. it was going to have to be something special for me to really get on it. So years later coming to rise of, uh, of the planet of the apes. And I remember the marketing, uh, uh, especially in knowing that this is going to, this is going to link up to the Heston movie. And it's like, there's no planet where this should work. <laughs> and it, and it worked. And then to, to watch where Matt Reeves then took the franchise, the journey of Caesar. I mean, Andy circus as a performer has given a lot of, uh, a lot of a lot of stuff to think about to the academy voters that they need to create a category for basically for him in between Gollum and Caesar and you know you have to think with the 
the technological progress that we're making in film, that there's only going to be more of these. I agree. And, and it's, and it's time that those performers are recognized. I mean, even going back to uh, Robin Williams as the genie, like that performance needed, needed to be recognized, but just the journey of Caesar throughout those three films and knowing that now that Disney has purchased Fox and there is value in that franchise again, they're, they're I, doing another movie. Is it, is it going to be Caesar or is it a reboot? Do, do we know we that? No, we, we, we have a director, we have an actor, but we don't know if this is going to be like a fourth movie from the, from the Andy Serkis films or if they're going to like reboot it again, but they are moving forward with a brand new Planet of the Apes movie. It's happening. So I mean, speaking of Andy Serkis, it's interesting that none of us have postulated the Lord of the Rings trilogy as a, because I think we'd all feel pretty safe not feeling like you have to say that the Hobbit is part of it. You know what I mean? Like, I think you, uh, no, I think you do. I think, I think you, you do. You think so? Yeah. Given yeah, that, it, that, that it's, okay, it's, I mean, it's, it's their prequels with, you know, some of the same characters. Yeah. I, I definitely think you do. I, um, I think Scott, you're totally right to give this, a very strong honorable mention. My, my, I think I agree with you. That Charlton Heston movie is a masterpiece. And what's so great about the new movies is they go back to classic science fiction of asking questions, using science fiction to ask deep questions. I, as much as I watched those other Planet of the Apes movies and like them, my guess is if I showed them to my kid, he would hate them. I don't think they would hold up <laughs> for a modern audience at all. Um, but this brings up an important question. It's kind of directed at you, Scott. People are asking, why are you not bringing up Star Trek? And this is this Philip Bryan who asks, says, as far as a tr trilogy with a larger franchise, Khan, Search for Spock, and Voyage Home are exceptional. So the Star Trek franchise, what do we, what do we think? You know, Steve, I'm surprised you didn't ask me that question, but uh, Philip Ryan uh, is right to ask that question. And as much as this hurts me uh, to say this, especially on Star Trek Day, September 8th, there are some bad movies in that trilogy, in that in that franchise. OK, um, you know, uh, Star Trek three is OK. Star Trek five is bad. Uh, Insurrection and Nemesis. Nemesis is awful. Awesome. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness is not uh, not great. Um, so you've got a bunch of movies in there which dilute the franchise. Yes, Rathacon is great. Motion Picture, I think, is a is a is a is a fantastic movie that's actually aged better than any other Star Trek movie. Voyage Home is great. Undiscovered Country, First Contact, Star Trek Two Thousand Nine, even Star Trek Beyond is an underrated movie. Really good. But there, there are. I wish Robert like, Wise hadn't cut out those musical numbers. I think those could have been really great in motion yeah. picture. But, <laughs> but no, I, I, I'm unfortunately, as much as I wanted to put Star Trek on this list and fight for its merits, uh, <laughs> that you have five movies out of thirteen that dilute it. And uh, unfortunately, as much as I want to include Galaxy Quest, uh, like I did when I did uh, the top ten with John Roca, um, I cannot include Galaxy Quest to to justify. <laughs> putting Star Trek on this list. Uh, Can I, I, I ask you guys a question? Yes. yes. Okay. So one of my honorable mentions was going to be Harry Potter. Okay. All those franchises. Yeah. However, uh, which I think are, I, I think they're great. And they end amazingly. Now, the Fantastic Beasts, which <laughs> is a part of the world, is not good. It's it, 
So would you disqualify Harry Potter? Well, first of all, would you take Harry Potter on the face for the seven movies? Or would you say, you know what, because of the Grindelwald movies, just no. Well, this, wow. get, this gets into a deeper, it, because I feel like you should be able to count the Harry Potters separately from the Dumbledores, but then I just tried to do that with Hobbit and uh, Lord of the Rings and was slapped <laughs> down rather quickly. And it brings up... <laughs> It, they, they are certainly in the same area, I think. Um, I, well, I, I mean, like, cause, could, could we say, like, I like the original Star Wars trilogy and then that's it? Or now you no, have to count the prequels no, and the sequels and everything else? Nice try, that is, why, <laughs> that is why I, I did not bring up Star yeah. Wars at all. I think that's nice a perfect, try, I think it's the perfect example, really. Um, I, am, I am a real fan of, of some of the Harry Potter movies. Um, you know, three is amazing. The last the two are good. Um, but as a whole, I'm not the biggest fan. And then when you get in Fantastic Beasts, we're in, we're in some real trouble there. Um, I think we have to discuss it was entered into the record. And one important franchise, really, we haven't gone into. And that is Star Wars. So Star Wars, uh, I'm going to ask the next question, Steve. Which yeah. is, so what, what I really worst? like about James Bond, Scott Mance, that you brought up earlier, back to Bond. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Objection. <laughs> Off the topic, Scott, you were saying. Uh, Star Wars, uh, after I did my, my list of potential topics for best movie franchise, I then did my, uh, my choices for worst movie franchise. And guess Ooh. what franchise is on the list of worst movie franchises. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone watching the cinephiles. And I hope you're watching too, Johnny Roca, because Star Wars is on my list. In fact, tops my list as the worst movie no. franchise. And wow. let me tell you why. Let me tell you why, gentlemen, because you have the original Star Wars movie, which is a masterpiece. You have The Empire Strikes Back, which is a masterpiece and one of the greatest movies ever made. Then you have everything else, which is garbage. Return of the Jedi with the stupid Ewoks. Those prequels were awful. The Force Awakens is basically a remake of A New Hope. And then you have The Last Jedi, which was unwatchable. And then The Rise of Skywalker. What the F was that? Thank you and good night. Mic drop. Boom. <laughs> No, don't hold back, Scott. What do you really think about this? It's, I think the gauntlet has been thrown down here. It, I mean, if we had just had this conversation two or three months ago, I feel like I could have just said, here's the thing, Scott. Predator is the worst because there's only one good movie. But now there isn't. So now you could compare Predator to Star Wars because essentially Scott's oh. argument is there's two good movies and then Scott's attacking all the rest. And by that logic, Predator has two good movies and then all the rest. Aliens has Ooh. two impeccable movies. And then some. there's some other movies as well. <laughs> um, I actually, I really like the first 40 minutes of Resurrection. Like right up until when uh, the bad guy from The Crow, Michael Wincott's character, just decides to randomly make a right turn for no reason. I think that I, I'm that that's a great Joss Whedon alien movie with cool French special effects, and then it just stops making sense. But um, 
So uh, okay. first of all, someone has put in the chat Rogue One, which I think has to be included as a really good Star Wars movie. Oh, okay. Movie. It's, really, it's really good. Rogue One it's is a great. really okay. good movie. Wait, wait, wait. Rogue One is just offset by Solo. So there you go. <laughs> oh, come on. You stop picking on Solo. They got Solo their- was awful. Shannon, Solo was awful. Awful. Solo, Solo has been pushed around enough, Scott. <laughs> but Return of the Jedi is not so bad. Return of the Jedi. I, uh, Return of the well, Jedi. Andre, Andre, those Ewoks killed the movie. It like the stupid you I hate the Scott. Art. There is a Scott, whole Scott, no, no, there Scott, is a whole confused. generation of moviegoers who would not agree Scott's with you. The Empire, not the movie. Oh, I hate yes. those Ewoks. So, so, so I want to put forward a theory, uh, which is that I think this weird thing happens where sometimes one or two great movies will buy your indulgence for sequel after sequel after sequel and that it and, and certainly but the idea that star wars is the worst franchise now no. even if we exclude things like halloween and friday the 13th and all those kinds let's just put those aside Hor- horror in saying, general you are saying that as a franchise that star wars is better than transformers sorry john I, I, I mean, it's worse than Transformers. Now, Star Wars is better than the Step Up series. The Step wait, Up wait, franchise. See, now, now, when I think of like worst franchises, sure, if you're going to look at like Police Academy or 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 garbage, <laughs> where where it's like one bad movie after another, another, and they're deliberately bad, that's like like sure, I could have like said those would have been easy. Or the Transformers, like you said, Steve. I mean, there was one good movie, and then there were the rest. Although Bumblebee was actually okay, uh, I think Fast and Furious is awful. You have one good movie. Fast Five is the only good movie in that entire. I'm with you. That entire thing. All the other movies. No, Hobbs, and like, Hobbs, Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw was awful. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. The reason I chose Star Wars is because Star Wars. It's Star Wars, like it changed Hollywood, it changed the game, and then Empire Strikes Back topped Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back is a freaking brilliant movie. It, it's the only Star Wars movie that transcends Star Wars. It's just a great movie. But because you had this bar raised by those first two films, that everything else was garbage. Like Nothing else compares to those first two movies. And the disappointment in that is why Star Wars is the worst movie franchise. Okay, can, can I jump well, in first, here? First of all, Vincent Zawada <laughs> spent $2 to disagree with that and say Return of the Jedi is a masterpiece. Shannon, <laughs> please, go ahead. Okay, so I, you know, Return of the Jedi came out in 1983. Correct. When I was, when I was five years old. May and watch, watching that movie... That was a magical experience for me. Watching the prequels, watching episode one, you know, which came out in 99, I'm 21 years old, you know, because I just, I grew up with this love of Star Wars. Watching that movie, I probably saw episode one 10 times in the theater because I'm trying to convince myself that this is a great movie. It's a great movie. And with, never worked. (laughs) (laughs) I, I own all of them. I, I occasionally I will put one on Disney plus to have on in the background, but as much as I did not like the prequels 20 years after the fact, as you know, we've been doing geek buddies and we've been reviewing a lot of like, you know, clone wars and the bad batch. You find out that there's a generation of kids that were in from 99 to 05 who loved the prequels. Now they weren't, yeah. they weren't for me, 
but they love those. And as evidenced by the outpouring of love for Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen in Obi-Wan, which was not a good series, but they, you know, that outpouring of love was there. Now in 20 years, are we going to see that same outpouring of love for the sequel trilogy? It's possible. So while I agree that I think Star Wars is probably a little lopsided as a franchise, that's for me. But there is a whole generation of moviegoers who love it. So I can't, that's why I cannot agree with you, Scott. Uh, I actually asked a question. I I respect that. (laughs) I asked a question on my social media about the best Star Wars film of all time. I'm actually working on an indie Star Wars project. And some of the younger people on that show, their favorite is Revenge of the Sith. They love it. They love the 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 the, the fight on in the lava, the the lightsaber, the oh, yeah, yeah. They, they, to them, it's like that moment was the just everything. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, no, I, think, I think you're you right. Guys, I was I think four you're... when it came out. Well, like you, Shannon, and, and I was like the Ewoks. Wow. And and I, I went. I think I probably saw them in the in the theaters with you at Florida State. Trying to like, okay, this is going to be good. This is going to be good, but it wasn't. Um, um, but the worst ever? No, I. I, I that hurts, Stephen. Yeah, I, 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 I think you guys may. I, I think Shannon and Andre make a good point, though. Scott is that me and uh, Scott and the two Steves. We don't need to get into you know numbers about when we might have seen some of these films. And when we didn't. <laughs> But we were older than Shannon and Andre. We'll just we'll go there. And so, so the three of us, like everyone of our generation, that is a little bit older than Shannon and Andre's, you know, generation. Like Star Wars, as has been covered ad nauseum, but it changed the world and it changed our lives. And we were the exact right age to have it yeah. completely rewrite the DNA of our brain. Yes. And then Empire, we had just gotten a little bit older, so the le- the greater level of sophistication came along with us and was perfect. And then, exactly. right, we all loved Jedi as probably teens. Let's not get specific, but <laughs> but we also it was our first little bit of being feeling a little let down because now we were getting even older. Our tastes had become more sophisticated, and then instead of getting Kirshner, we got Richard Marquand, and we got something that. You know, and we and we don't have Gary Kurtz anymore, which is such a crucial part of everything and stuff. And so then, and right, like, sad. I, the first night I saw Phantom Menace, I tried to do what Shannon did, you know. But I remember even just, I, I made some poor eating choices and some of the things yes. contained in the things that one eats that night, and. I remember right off the bat with that damn Trade Federation, I was like, this looks more like Star Trek, not Star Wars. This is, wait, something doesn't feel right, you know? And from that point on, but right, you bring up, as you and McGregor and uh, and uh, the Canadian have been touring, um, talking about the new Obi-Wan show, Hayden, Hayden Christensen, you know, like <laughs> that they're happy now that there's this brand of kids that's come along. I wish... I wish that Hayden and Ewan could have gotten the John Favreau, Dave Filoni treatment, you know, because Mandalorian was so wonderful. Whoa. I would have loved for Obi-Wan to have been the redemption that I wanted for those guys. Ewan McGregor is probably mm. my favorite actor. So like that was, it bummed me out that then Obi-Wan was far more like the book of Boba Fett than like the Mandalorian. But 
Star Wars has definitely become this thing that people bring to it what they want from it. I don't think Solo is terrible. I think Solo is a very solidly made film. It's just that we, if something isn't brilliant in Star Wars, we're pissed. Understand, you know, because it changed the world. And now to just see okay movies in a, in the genre feels like it's a disservice to the- That is film. why it's the worst. Because <laughs> kind of like every a Marvel passing show film, every passing film, Steve, you know, you're hoping that it'll like sort of like go back to the greatness of those first two movies, and it doesn't. It's like, how many passes are you going to give Star Wars? And with each passing film, you're just like, it, like I never thought, I never thought, even though I was never a big fan of Jedi, I still looked at the original trilogy as like the game changer, uh, just this like the special, untouchable thing. That will always be like great, and when when they when they started doing the prequels and then you know these other movies and the Disney Plus stuff, you know Star Wars is just now some other thing. Like there, there's nothing special about it that made the first two movies so great. So you know, am I being too hard on the franchise by holding it to those two standards of a of a New Hope and, and Empire Strikes Back? I don't think I am, and that that is why. <laughs> I think that Star Wars is the worst franchise because they are putting out ordinary formulaic stuff that does not expand the Star Wars universe at all. You've seen one lightsaber battle. You've seen them all. Nothing will ever top the lightsaber battle between Luke and Vader and the Empire Strikes Back. Nothing will ever top the big reveal of I am your father. Uh, nothing. And And I like watching the obi-wan thing like i mean I, I don't need to see another lightsaber battle it's more the same like like enough <laughs> all right so, well, scott, so I, I mean i could almost agree with i could almost agree with scott except for the mandalorian the mandalorian kind of messes up scott's thing you know okay i could almost agree i did so, like you know, the mandalorian. And scott one could say that marvel is kind of falling into the same trap as star wars by the same with the with the, the, show, the recent shows besides moon knight moon knight was great but, um, oh, Andre! I liked Moon Knight. I liked the way they. So you're the so, one. Okay, hold on, hold on. Before Moon we jump, Knight, before it... we jump into Marvel television, I just want to take a moment to thank uh, Ronaldo McWhiskey, who says, "Just sending support, loving the conversation. Thank you so much for your generosity." Um, <laughs> thank you, Ronaldo. This thing goes entirely, entirely off the rails. Um, here, I, I'm going to say. So first of all, I think Scott, you bring in a lot of emotion to your to your pick here and i think that what it sounds like is it's your expectations of what star wars is supposed to be that's making it the worst for you i'm going to say if our standard if our standard is to go from the highest highs to the lowest lows i think there is one franchise that no one has considered that has arguably one of the greatest films of all time and then has 3 terrible sequels and that uh, is Jurassic jaws Park. oh jaws yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah you're right jaw, they tr- i mean what i would say i'm not even i wouldn't maybe not even put it in the list because what it really is is a failed franchise they took a great movie and said can we make it franchise out of it and the answer was after three tries no this is a <laughs> right? great film that's it so jaws is a masterpiece it's, it's a- it's a testament to how good Jaws One is that we don't even usually think of it as a franchise. That like yeah. that like the three other films have just kind of fallen by the wayside of history, and we just sort of go, "Oh yeah, Michael Caine, 
you know, <laughs> oh yeah, Dennis Quaid in 3D. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Leah Thompson, I think, gets bitten by a shark in Star Trek 3D or Star Jaws 3D. <laughs> um, uh, Jonathan Peck uh, makes a lovely donation and he has an interesting proposal he says I have a question for our lovely panel what animated film besides Disney Pixar do you want want to nominate for a cinephiles episode for example I would nominate Shrek because of its lasting legacy for 20 years and look Shrek is also a franchise with Puss in Boots coming out soon is that is that a franchise that should be considered here what he, is Jonathan? Jonathan is just saying what's an animated film for cinephiles. So he's not talking he about okay. And because you, what have you guys done? You've done Akira, you guys did Akira. That's an incredible animated film. We've done Beauty and the Beast, um, Beauty and the Beast, Incredibles, Ratatouille, and uh, I think and, and Akira. I don't know. I think that's all the animated. I got one for you, The Iron yeah. Giant. Fantastic, Ooh, beautiful movie. One. Directed beautiful by Brad Bird. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You should definitely do Um, I would say How to Train Your Dragon. I think Good that movie. is. I like that one. Mm-hmm. I think if Toy Story three doesn't come out that year, How to Train Your Dragon wins the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. Ooh, it's really and, good. And in terms of the Shrek franchise. Had they stopped at Shrek 2, (laughs) that's a very good argument for that. That is one of the best franchises. But Shrek 3 went off the rails. Shrek 4 got them back on. And then that first uh, Puss in Boots movie uh, was fine. It it seemed like something that maybe would have gone direct to video back in the 90s. Um, The next one, despite the fact that they waited over a decade, it seems like, um, (laughs) that next one, the trailer, it looks very, very funny. Um, it does. I have a, I have a proposal for worst. Actually, this would be my worst franchise if it weren't for the last few movies. And that is what Scott brought up at the very beginning. James Bond. James Bond, I, having watched all of them and, and I, when I worked on the DVDs, there's a certain point where you're like, oh, these are all the same and they're all bad yeah. until you get to Daniel Craig. And then we've had some genuinely good movies, I think. But like there are movie after movie that are really bad yeah i, I mean i steve knows that i watch the bond all the bond films every few years uh start to finish and wow. i absolutely love them and there's a reason i didn't bring them up in this conversation <laughs> you know what I mean? like, <laughs> like but they i mean then it gets into like how are you qualified you know what by what you know like if we're talking about the most successful or the most long lasting, there's all these other different great things. But I think, but the Bond, the Bond franchise is a perfect example, kind of what Scott's attack on the Star Wars thing is, which is it's amazing how much we keep coming back for something that's such a slim thing, right? It's like, okay, Dr. No is a very good first film considering it costs about $5 and is held together by a you know, chewing gum and, and aluminum foil. And a white bikini. And <laughs> yeah, and, and a few, and just a few incredible sets um, by, uh, by, uh, oh, my brain. Oh, Ken Adam. But, um, but really, like with Connery, I don't know, man. I mean, it's really like only Dr. No and Goldfinger that you could truly call good movies like from Russia with love is I like fun, from Russia, not- from Russia, Russia love. love is great 
It's fun. I'm, look, I'm not, but I don't think it's really a great movie. Thunderball is definitely not a great movie, and I still love Thunderball. Uh, you Only Live Twice is definitely not a good movie. I agree. And then Honor Majesty's Secret Service is the best directed, best edited, best cinematography Bond film with the worst Bond. You know, like yeah. it, George Lazenby is just not a good Bond. It's a great film. And you can't even go, what would it have been like if Connery was in it? Because if Connery had been in it, there's just stuff in it that never would have happened either. I think he, there's just certain things he wouldn't have done. Diamonds Are Forever. Is Wait, Steve, painful. we cannot go through every Bond movie. It's not, <laughs> we can't do that. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, then just uh, to go to your sentence, Steve, what I think is, I don't think in the same way, the Daniel, I love them. The Daniel Craig ones aren't that great either. It's really just two good, one fantastic one and one good one, and then three that are not that great. The, the, the Daniel Craig movies, Skyfall and Casino Royale, are, are great. But I, I got to say, I mean, you, you totally passed over back to Connery. You totally passed over from Russia with Love, which I think is the best Bond movie of them all. It's great. It's great. Look, all right. I'm not giving it enough love, and it deserves more because of Robert Shaw and because of the train yeah, Robert Shaw. sequence. Robert Shaw's great. I mean, look. Let's but, face it. The best. The best James Bond movie of them all is Moonraker. Moonraker is awesome. I love Moonraker. Wait, you got a great Scott, film. You know? I have an important question for you. What yeah. was your first Bond movie? In a theater, oh. my first Bond movie in a theater was uh, uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, oh. 1977. Because I, I, like I had a theory. One, that's my first Bond movie too, and I and it was at David Seelig's ninth birthday party, and it was like one of the greatest nights of my life. And I'll just say very quickly that on my ninth birthday party, I tried to replicate the same thing by going to the same movie theater in San Francisco where we saw a double feature of Corvette Summer and Going Coconuts with Donnie <laughs> and Marie Osmond. This was not as good as Spy Love. <laughs> But my theory, my theory is that whatever your first Bond movie was, you will have deep love for. Because if you see it as a kid, it's just will be special in your heart. I, um, I want to say uh, we got a wonderful donation from Justin Toner, who says, just wanted to say thanks for the great conversation on franchises. And I hope that Roca gets well soon. I think we all hope that. And then he says, we'd also put out in social media, we might discuss best directors of all time. And he says, I start with Alfred Hitchcock, Akira Kurosawa, Steven Spielberg, and Stanley Kubrick. How about you all? Well, I'm not, we don't have time, I think, to get into best directors of all time, but I cannot argue with that list. That's a good, that's a good start of a list. Are there franchises that we have left out that deserve yes. some love? That yes. are horrible? Yeah. Horrible. Any that deserve some hate. That deserve uh, some hate. Yes. Um, horrible. I want to hear. I want to hear Shannon's because I haven't heard Shannon in a while. And then Scott, how about you after that? Go ahead. Shannon. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go positive because there is that. I mean, I call it an honorable mention. Really, it's like probably number three on my list. But Back to the Future. Yes, Back sir. Back to the Future. That is that is a movie. That was the first time I was uh, at an age younger than Steve Jones. Um, that I <laughs> I recognized that its title stayed up on a marquee for almost a year. Yeah, mm. that the that the letters, the magnetic letters that they would put on the sign, started to fade because it had been up there for so long. And the idea that they filmed two and three back to back, 
Um, now, and you can argue quality for two and three, and you can argue logic. Like, why do you go to the future to change the future? That doesn't make any sense. Um, but <laughs> Back to the Future, the, the trilogy will always hold a special place in my heart because when I was in sixth grade, my oldest sister, who I did not have the strongest relationship with, she took me out of school early so we could watch all three movies back to back to back the night before Back to the Future Part 3 came out. And they gave everybody in line T-shirts. I was way too little, but I wore that like a nightgown to school for weeks. And that franchise, the, the, uh, from the Sylvester score to Zemeckis' direction, I mean, yeah. I, I think everyone reached a peak that a lot of them have not hit since. And just the fact that they created uh, just such a memorable character in Marty McFly, but also an incredibly memorable character in Dr. Emmett Brown. Like no one could have foreseen that Doc Brown would still be kind of in the zeitgeist over 30 years later. So Back to the Future, very high up on the uh, franchises that I love. Uh, I'm with you, Shannon. Uh, You know, the first movie is is brilliant. If I was going to teach a class on screenwriting, I would use the first Back to the Future as my perfect screenplay. The, The second one's a little all over the place. Yeah. I don't love I don't love part 2, but I do love part 3. Once they Me go too. back to the west and oh, yeah. what's interesting is that the first movie is more about Marty, the third movie is more about Doc Brown. And it just I just think it's a great uh role reversal. Uh but I I agree. Back to the Future is great. And Scott, it seemed like you had another movie franchise you wanted to bring up. I I did. And this is a this is going into worst movie franchises. <laughs> worse and- than Star worse than star wars because at least star wars had two good movies this franchise has one good movie and that franchise is jurassic park the first jurassic park is great that movie came out in the summer of 1993 it was a game changer and it is it is still a great movie to watch it's magic but like jurassic park 2 of the lost world awful jurassic park 3 Awful. Jurassic World is a remake of Jurassic Park. That makes it awful. Jurassic Park World 2, awful. Dominion, awful. The There's only one good Jurassic Park movie. Stop! Because you're just diluting like the greatness of the first movie. Jurassic Park is the worst franchise. Worse than Star Wars. <laughs> Fully agree. Fully agree. <laughs> so the book for The Lost World that Crichton wrote yeah. is actually a decent book that they don't really use very much for the sequel. But at oh. least within that first trilogy, the premise of the three movies makes sense. That it's like, okay, you have this park. Okay, we actually have this other island. This is where we bred the dinosaurs. We got you know, to do something there. And then you have this other island that a kid accidentally ends up on. At least the premise makes sense. With Jurassic World, now... This argument was stronger in 2015 when the movie came out. But it's like, okay, if you had a, a, a uh, theme park disaster, like the first movie, you don't make that theme park again. Like exactly. Insurance adjusters do not let this happen. And so the fact that they actually are able to make this park and it seems successful. And when they're going in the domes, the little, the, the little uh, uh, transparent uh, vehicles, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
the fact that I don't know, he's a, he's a character actor. He's very funny. He pops up in everything in little roles. He is essentially, he's a, he's a character from The Simpsons, a theme park where we're like, oh, ladies and gentlemen, please buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> it's like the fact that this island is in the middle of the ocean. It's like, okay, yeah, that guy doesn't exist out there. I mean, the whole premise of the second trilogy is so infuriating and then going to watch dominion because i wanted to see sam neil lord turning jeff copeland together and just getting this crazy movie about giant bugs <laughs> i was just Honey, come on what the hell was in, that you know you know infuriated i'll tell you what guys i i did i also watched all the jurassic park movies in, in a row i've been doing that watching all the franchises in a row i try to get my kids to watch it with me they had and they're they're 12 and under 12 to 7 they were not in Jurassic Park one. They were not interested. They thought mm. it was ridiculous. It didn't capture their attention at all. As we got further into the franchise, they became more interested. And I'm like, what have I done wrong? Why aren't they liking it the other way? So I, I do wonder if part of it, I remember who said it, maybe it was Shannon. No, um, I don't know who it was. But as we got older, the sophistication for our love of movies grew, expectation grew. And for some, you know, my kids like movies. I'm like, why did you like this piece of trash? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for, they, for... they don't like Jurassic Park one. But I think it's I think it's like you said, a game changer and great. But they had no interest. They held their attention, not a moment. They were like bored, dead. And then, the, but the next two, they were interested. Maybe it's just so, the CGI. Who knows? Yeah, so maybe. two things. The fir- the first is. Uh, I agree with all of you about Jurassic Park. My son loved Jurassic Park, thus proving maybe I'm a better parent than Andre. I mean, I just... Yes, absolutely. Um, but what I actually think, Andre, is anything that we can do as parents to keep our children off of YouTube is good. All those things are better than them watching YouTube. We have uh, about 10 minutes left, and it's interesting that we have gotten... Well, first, let me uh, put up that uh, Philip Bryan wrote... Back to the Future is simply great. Thank you, Shannon. Um, I don't think any of us would argue that Back to the Future is not great. simply great. Uh, and I agree with I you, Scott. Wanna... It's an inc- incredible screenplay. I do. Um, I do want to briefly but... count- counterpoint before we cl- just to quickly on Back to the Future too, Shannon. I love so much your or Back to the Future. I love your enthusiasm for it so much, and I think it's that little difference in age. I still have a hard time of thinking of Back to the Future as a trilogy. So I think Back to the Future is the greatest movie ever. And then there's these two other movies. And I wish I could love them the way that you do. And I think because of your, but you just described it, the experience, your age, the, you know, it's kind of like the way that Steve described what's your favorite Bond film. I tried to just rewatch the whole trilogy again recently. And I have a similar, I won't go into it, but my first Back to the Future, when I went to the Back to the Future the first day on the day it came out, I had like a magical day. July third, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, I, I July third, I rode there on the back of a moped. We only made it halfway <laughs> through the movie, and and then the theater broke down, and then they put oh on the end of the movie backwards and upside down, so we had to get oh, no. to come back. So I actually, I actually watched it one and a half times the first time the the day that I saw it. So it's, oh, but man. I wish I could like two and three the way that people of your generation and younger like it and think of it as a trilogy, but I just can't. I love Back to the Future. And then there's two other movies. But yeah, I, I agree I, with Mance on Jurassic Park too. Yeah, I I'm pretty much on the on the one is amazing, two I think is mostly a mistake. And three's yes. fine. It's good. Yeah. Um, so 
let's change the topic entirely because we got a very nice donation from Hoth Security Guard. And he said, I'm on vacation and still watching the show. Non-movie question. This question is entirely out of the blue, but let's go for it. Boneless wings or traditional wings? Blue cheese or ranch? Loving the show. Thanks for doing this. Do we have thoughts on this very, very important question? Shannon, you're nodding your head. Okay, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. B- boneless wings all the way because I'm I'm a little bit of a neat freak and having to to uh, negotiate with a piece of a carcass and a bone just does not work for me. Um, so I like that I can eat it with a knife and a fork and I'll go super hot. I'm still a dude, even though I don't want to get my hands messy. Um, but then I will also go blue cheese because mm. I'm like, all right, if, I, if I'm skimping out on the manliness on, on the bone, I'm like, give me give me the harsh stuff. All right. Andre, do you have do you have an opinion here? Yes, I, I'm a real man, and I like the bone in my wing, and I like <laughs> to dip it in hot sauce and then slather it in blue cheese. And then my next bite, I will dip in someone else's ranch, and they will all hate me. But yeah, I mean, boneless is 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 fine if I'm like you know, I don't know. I, I, no, it's not fine. I, I like the bone. I like the bone. <laughs> Uh, Scott Mance, are you a uh, boned wing or not? Well, well you know what? I, I'm a vegetarian. No, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm with I'm with Andre. I when I eat wings, I want to be a carnivore and like you know rip it off and like take it off the bone and like and like if there's a little little piece of chicken left on the bone, I like to like oh, I just want to yeah, and then I'm gonna like smother it in the ranch <laughs> and like, like oh, I'm just gonna. You know, Shannon, you and I would not be good wings buddies because I would make <laughs> such a mess that I would make a mess for you and you would hate me. You would never want to do another Cinephiles episode with me. That is how much I love messy wings. Mr. Jones. <laughs> I mean, Shannon, I, I appreciate wanting the lack of mess with the boneless wings, but I get hung up on what am I eating? Whereas at least when yeah. the bone's there, even if I'm not like, I don't still want to think about it too much, but if the bone's there, at least my brain's like, okay, I'm, I'm eating a chicken wing. I'm not going any deeper, but when there's no bone, it's like, wait, what are you eating? And then I love blue cheese, but I have to say, and I always did love it, but my girlfriend is not American. And one of the true gifts and discoveries that she has found coming to America is ranch dressing, or she calls it ranch. And so I have now an d- even deeper appreciation for ranch dressing, I must say. And it really goes well with some hot wings. So with the bones. correct answer, the correct answer here is that it should be with the bone. <laughs> otherwise, it's just a piece of chicken. And, chicken he, and any any chef will tell you that cooking uh, meat with the bone adds flavor. It tenderizes the meat. It makes it more delicious in every way. Plus the process of chewing through all the little bits. That's part of what it is. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) It's part of what it is. Why not do better? That's what happened. (laughs) Yep. You got to go back to your, you know, back to the cave and ripping apart the animal with your bare hands. Um, uh, Philip Bryan, born five movies, great, uh, three, three great, sorry, five movies, three great, two good. Uh, we don't have too much time, but do we have a lightning round quick thought on the Bourne movies? Uh, I agree with that assessment on three great movies. Uh, the the one with Jeremy Renner uh, is like the Indiana Jones 4 of that series that does not exist to me. And Thank you. That, that final Jason Bourne movie that 
that put Matt Damon back with Paul Greengrass. Uh, they should have left well enough alone. Uh, Steve, lightning round thought uh, on the Bourne movies. Uh, instead of three great, two good, I'm going to say three good, two okay. Andre. Love the you Bourne movies. Love the good. Bourne movies. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Renner, no. I love yeah. him. But not for the born. That yeah. he took me out. Shannon, um, love the born ultimatum. I think that is such a fantastic spy movie. Um, I think the born legacy was almost a good movie. I mean, the the premise of it I thought was actually pretty pretty strong. That just didn't make it to the finish line, and I wish it had been better. And I wish it had done better, so they could have united those guys. I was much more interested in seeing Renner in Born than Renner in Mission Impossible. So I actually, I think I've seen, I think I've only seen four out of the five. But I will say, for me, too great, and I don't like the Jeremy Renner one. And maybe that's as far as my opinion goes. Huh. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. This has been absolutely fantastic. Um, if you haven't hit like and subscribe, please do. They really help. Thank you, everyone, for your incredibly, incredibly generous donations. They are very, very much appreciated. And a huge, huge thank you to the outlaw John Roca, who we wish well right now. Obviously, the only thing that would have made this conversation better is to have you here with us, and hopefully you will be feeling great soon. Um, and, of course, I also want to thank our incredible guests, Scott Mance, Steve Jones, Andre Gordon, and Shannon McClung. Shannon, if people wanted to reach you, how would they do that? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy, and you can see me every week on the Geek Buddies with Mr. Roca when he's better. Andre, there are people all over social media trying to find you right now. What what should they be looking for? At Andre Gordon Official on Instagram, at Andre Gordon Official on TikTok, at Andre Gordon Official on Facebook, and uh, and directed by Dre or Four Horsemen Films on YouTube. Uh, Scott Mance, what about you? How will people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Movie Mance. But more importantly, week after week, you can catch me on the Starship Enterprise with my good pal, Steve Morris, doing our weekly deep dive episode by episode analysis of the original Star Trek series on our podcast, Enterprise Incidents. We are more than halfway through season three. We're, we're, we're almost at the end of our journey through the original series. So please check out Enterprise Incidents on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and YouTube. Steve Jones, if people are not following you and seeing some of your incredible artwork, I think they are missing out. So how would they find you? Thank you, Steve. Well, first of all, Cinephiles fans, if you want to have me insist to John and Steve that I come back on the Cinephiles and go through each James Bond film, film by film, <laughs> please let them know. Because I'd like to. Um, I need to finish that thought. And you come look at my art. At, I'm at Stephen B. Jones on Instagram. And I'm also now doing uh, a weekly YouTube thing with some friends at the original Drink and Draw Social Club, another round. So go to YouTube and look up the original Drink and Draw Social Club and you can hear me talk about cartoons, comic books, or movies in far too much uh, annoying detail. 
<laughs> um, definitely check that out. And I highly recommend checking out the Drink and Draw Social Club if you are a fan of art. And if you want to find me, it's SR Morris on Twitter, SR Morris one on Instagram. The Cinephiles is Cine underscore files on Twitter, Cinephiles podcast on Instagram. And right up at the top above me is patreon.com slash the Cinephiles, where you can support the show. Um, and of course, at the Roca says to follow John Roca and check him out on YouTube as well. And I think that that is, for, that is it for this week. Again, thank you to our incredible, incredible guests for showing up. And we will see you on another episode of The Cinephiles Live. Wait, I forgot I have to hit this button. Uh, that's not it. I hit the wrong button. Oh, I was doing so well until the end. And now I lost. There it is. All right. We'll see you next time on another Cinephiles Live. Bye.